Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Patreon, everyone, for episode number three in our little Urban Legend series. And we've got an interesting one today, Chloe. We're going to be talking about a UFO and a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like these are right up there on my favourite topic, so I'm super pumped about this one. I love this series. Awesome. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. It was 1966, Sir Robert Menzies was Prime Minister for a short time until Harold Holt took office on January the 26th. Mr Holt himself would become the subject of his own mystery in years to come, but on that very same day, the Beaumont children were abducted during a visit to Glenelg Beach in Adelaide and were never seen again. In February, the Australian dollar replaced the Australian pound at the rate of 10 shillings to the dollar, and the first National Service conscripts flew out from Richmond RAAF base in Sydney, bound for Vietnam. And on the 6th of April 1966, in a southeastern suburb of Melbourne called Westall, something very strange was about to happen, as reported by Nine News. An oval of schoolchildren gazed up at mysterious objects in the sky one afternoon as seven pilots flew overhead and at least one pilot allegedly giving chase. It was around lunchtime on Wednesday when students and staff from Westall High School and Westall State School spilled out onto the local oval for sport. As the students went about their exercises, hundreds of them claimed to have witnessed unexplained objects flying overhead before disappearing into a nearby grass paddock known as the Grange. It's the largest mass UFO sighting in Australia, yet hardly anything was reported on it at the time. Over the years, there have been differing reports about the exact details of what happened, such as people claiming there were three saucer-like objects, while some thought there was just one. In the 50-odd years since the incident occurred, there has been worldwide speculation about what people saw, with some believing it was absolutely an alien encounter and others pointing the finger at the government testing new technology. Throughout all the years of speculation, there has been one particularly interesting piece of audio. An Australian UFO researcher and photographer, James J. Kybel, conducted an interview with a science teacher from the Westall School, Andrew Greenwood, 
who witnessed the event. Mr. Kybel recorded himself describing their meeting and the creepy details Mr. Greenwood gave about his experience. And the audio was published to the YouTube channel QUFOSR. Andrew Greenwood later came out and spoke with Channel 7 about it on their Spotlight program. Here's the audio. It is pretty muffled as it was recorded a long time ago, but I've done my best to clear it up. Uh, there was one particular report which emanated from the uh, Westall High School. I don't know whether you're familiar with this report, but the science master there and two other members of staff and about 300 children watched a UFO um, manoeuvring around over Westall and at the same time watched five aeroplanes from the local aero club uh, doing everything they could to intercept the UFO. Now, in the APRO bulletin, it's headed Officials Quash School Sighting. Well, it may be coincidence or one of these lucky things, but my brother-in-law uh, is on the committee of the Australian Light Cow Club. And the science master, who uh, was one of the key witnesses in this sighting, uh, is also in the Light Cow Club uh, as a member. And uh, I managed to arrange with my brother-in-law to get this particular chap to come over uh, to my house and discuss the sighting with me. It was very interesting indeed, and he read this report in APRO Bulletin and, and uh, said that uh, most of the um, so-called facts mentioned in it were incorrect. Um, there was no question of officials quashing the sighting uh, as it was put by APRO. Um, the person behind the uh, uh, sort of closed down on this particular sighting was the headmaster, uh, who was so scared or disturbed by the whole thing uh, he refused to go outside into the schoolyard, uh, even when told the object was in the sky. Uh, when the Air Force contacted the um, headmaster, he told them in his exact words, which were, uh, uh, go and jump in the lake. Uh, anyway, to go on with the starting, I think this is more interesting than worrying about the photographers uh, at this stage anyway. Um, Greenwood, and the name, that was the name of the science master, told me that uh, the UFO was first brought to his attention by a rather hysterical child who ran into his classroom and said there's a flying saucer outside. Anyway, he, he thought this child had uh, become deranged or something that was ill and he didn't take immediate notice, but when the child insisted that this object was in the sky, he decided to go out and have a look for himself. Uh, he went out into the yard and uh, he couldn't see anything and he noticed some other children who had been in a physical education class outside uh, down at the bottom of the schoolyard uh, looking towards the uh, northeast. Anyway, he uh, ran over uh, to this group of children and there he saw the UFO for the first time. It was evidently hovering very closely to uh, the high-tension power lines which enter Melbourne from the Latrobe Valley and come through uh, Westall and Moorabbin, where the aero club is. He watched it there and he said it was a bright silver object about the size of a car and resembled to him a bar just floating in the air, a sort of rod. I think this was probably a disc seen from the edge. Anyway, it then rose up, and uh, at this point, he noticed a light plane, probably a Cessna or a Piper Cub, 
and moving him towards it. You know, just sat there about a thousand feet up, and he said about two thousand feet from where he was standing. And at this stage, he was joined by more children and the physical education teacher who watched this. And then, evidently, the pilot of the first light plane had radioed other planes in the air, and they all converged, that is, four others converged on the uh, disk or object. Keith Basterfield, a retired astronomer and now analytical UFOologist, has a mundane theory. A joint program between the United States and the Australian Department of Supply operated between 1962 and 1967 out of Mildura, Victoria. The program launched highball balloons. A highball balloon is 100 metres in length. It's affixed to a 180 kilogram payload that samples residue from nuclear tests at an altitude of a little under 100 metres. The balloons look like cling wrap, clear and reflective. They are tailed by light aircraft called a chase plane. On the 5th of April 1966, a highball balloon was launched from Mildura. Keith found a chap who sat as an observer in the chase planes and he asked if highball balloons went astray. The observer said, oh yeah, one ended up in Adelaide, another in Canberra, another halfway to New Zealand. Keith found the witness reports of two people from the morning of April 6th Over Glen Waverley, north of Westall, a large floating object was spotted. A payload was attached, a hose trailed behind. Keith said the description fits a highball. But a lot of who saw it don't buy the vanilla government program Keith proposes. They say it wasn't a balloon of some kind they saw. Another interesting thing the Westall UFO doco has is a military historian discussing the possible deployment of military in the region at the time to respond so quickly. The quick response time would mean personnel would have been literally sitting in the trucks and cars waiting for the call. The normal units, logistics and supply in the region wouldn't have responded so promptly. There's a playground in the area now that looks like a flying saucer and we're going to play some clips from some women who were school kids at the time and they talk about what they saw and it's quite compelling. Let's take a listen. I saw a flying saucer. I don't recall there being more than one. Um, but we were down the back, I was down the back of the oval with Tanya when we noticed it in the sky. Um, it did some manoeuvres which were very strange, which is why our attention was drawn to it in the first place. And then it came down over the Grange, we could see it coming down, so we took off after it. Um, Tanya actually reached the craft, I believe. I didn't. Um, because she came back screaming towards me and then I ran back with her to the school. She got taken away in an ambulance and that was the last time I saw her. The craft I saw was silver in colour, it was round. It did come down on the ground, even though I didn't see it on the ground, I saw the marks that it left um, later on that day. It could move incredibly fast and it could also appear to stand still. When it took off from the other aircraft that were buzzing it, um, it made them look as though they were at standstill. I went to her house the following day and an English-speaking woman opened the door and said there had never been a Tanya living there. Now the problem with that is that Tanya's parents didn't speak English to start with. I think they were Yugoslavian. So I'd been to this house a lot of times and then was told, no, sorry, you're mistaken. I know one of the researchers has 
She prefers to stay anonymous and not be involved in anything at all. She told the researcher that she had no recall of what had happened. And then there was a very odd story about her parents putting her in a convert for some reason that was, to me, totally ridiculous. I'd, yes, definitely a UFO. Um, I was actually in science class and we had a um, st student had rung in and flung the door open and said, Mr Greenwood, Mr Greenwood, there's things in the sky, there's flying saucers in the sky. So we all ran down the corridor and out onto the oval and yes, there were flying saucers in the sky. I saw three of them, um, but it took me quite a while to sort of comprehend what I was looking at because I'd never seen anything like that before. I was interviewed by Channel 9 and at the front of the school and a man walked up to me, he was in blue so he may have been Air Force or perhaps police, I'm not sure, put his um, hand on my shoulder and told me to stop talking and go back into the school and then turned around to the, film, uh, the cameraman and the reporter and told them both to go away. But previous to that happening, um, not long after the sighting, um, the army arrived opposite the school in three um, jeeps and jumped out of the back and they were in uh, camouflage gear and all that sort of stuff. So they were sort of out the school for quite a while. And then we had a, a special assembly. We were all called to a special assembly and told that we hadn't seen anything. It was a weather balloon. We're all massively hysterical. Don't talk about it. If you talk about it, you'll get into trouble. And I got detention because I had been interviewed by oh. Channel 9. I was out playing cricket on the oval at the time and we noticed these three craft hovering above the school, um, which was a bit unusual. They were definitely weren't aircraft. And then after about 10 minutes, we saw one go down into an area behind our school called the Grange, where we used to do our cross-country runs. So being a little bit of a rebel, as I was at school, um, I was one of the first to run through and jump over the fence and arrive at the Grange, and it was on the ground in front of me. The, the other two girls had arrived before me, and one was hysterical, Tanya, and the other girl had fainted. So I just looked at it and after a few minutes it just raised up above me, probably to about well, 12 feet, turned on its side and went zoom straight up into the air and disappeared almost instantly. And there were two other craft in the air at the time. It was about one and a half times the size of a normal um, family sedan and it was round, silver coloured, there were all lights around the bottom of it, no windows, um, it threw off a bit of a heat and it was making a low buzzing sound. So that's what these ladies saw and some of the things they witnessed afterwards, suggesting some kind of bigger conspiracy around things. As we said, there is a documentary on the Westall UFO sighting, it's available online but not on streaming services, so if you're interested in diving deeper, jump online and try and check that out. But for our purposes, hard to say if this one is simply an urban legend and there's a vanilla explanation like Key suggested, or if something bigger, extraterrestrial, was at play here. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We wouldn't expect anyone to know that clip. It's from an opera that took place in Sydney last year, a very famous opera that's played many, many times across the world, and indeed Australia, including Melbourne's Princess Theatre. The Princess Theatre is well known to a lot of people. It's staged many great shows and hosted many fine performers over the years. But perhaps the most well-known is the urban legend of the theatre's ghost, Federici. Frederick Federici was born in Italy. He grew up in Britain and worked as a talent agent at first before going on to become an opera singer. During his esteemed career, he became well-known for his work in bass baritone roles of the Savoy operas written by Gilbert and Sullivan. As the story goes, according to the Melbourne government's What's On blog, In 1887, Federici arrived in Australia to perform with Messrs Williamson, Garner and Musgrove's Opera Company. He was to play in several operas, culminating in a starring role as Mephistopheles, or the devil, in Gounod's famous opera Faust, which is the clip we played a moment ago. The opening night of Faust at the Princess Theatre on the 3rd of March 1888 was keenly anticipated. The Argus newspaper reported that there was a very, very large house and Faust was given with unexpected success. Mr Federici shared with his fellow artists the applause of the audience. It was in the final scene that tragedy struck. Federici, in character as the devil, was to spirit Faust down to hell, standing over the stage trapdoor in a mirage of smoke and fire. Federici wrapped his scarlet cloak around his victim He spoke his character's final lines. It might be. They were the final lines he would ever deliver. Federici and his fellow actor began to disappear from the stage through the trapdoor, but just as their shoulders were on a level with the stage, Federici was seen to put out his hand and clutch the boards. Federici fell down the trapdoor, taking his fellow performer with him. He died in the green room 40 minutes later. The cause of death was a heart attack. His fellow performers had no idea. When they came off stage, they swore that Federici had been on stage with them taking their final bows. Meanwhile, the audience had no idea that anything was amiss. It was not until the following Monday that Melburnians awoke to the news in the Argus, shocking occurrence at the Princess Theatre, tragic death of Mr Federici. In true theatrical style, even Federici's funeral was dramatic. He was buried in the Melbourne General Cemetery on Monday the 6th of March, 
The coffin was literally smothered in wreaths and flowers. Reverend E.H. Goodwin was so affected by the tragedy that as the coffin was lowered into the ground, he sank onto a mound in a fainting fit and was unable to complete the service. His wife and children returned to England in June of 1888 and moved in with her father. She remarried in 1894. In the years that followed, actors, stagehands and even patrons began reporting strange happenings at the Princess Theatre. Audience members reported odd lights flashing on and off during theatre performances. Stagehands and artists described feeling something brush past them in empty corridors. Strangest of all were the reported sightings of Federici. Witnesses said that his ghost appeared as a tall figure of a good-looking man in full evening dress, hair slightly greying at the temple and of stylish appearance. It's said that Federici appears at night. Usually, he sits around the centre of the second or third row of the theatre's dress circle. Sometimes, he changes seats to watch the faces of the critics. Some say they've observed the Italian frowning at the weak performances of inferior actors, taking notes and brushing his hair back with impatient gestures when he's displeased. Eventually, the ghost glides off through the boxes, disappearing down the stairs behind the royal box. Bert Newton, Marina Pryor and Lisa McCune and many other of the venue's everyday staff have also reported experiences of seeing Federici. There was even a tale about a young girl and her mother attending a show and the mother told her daughter to sit down. The young girl said she couldn't because there was a man in her seat. The mother couldn't see anyone in the chair but the girl was insistent and it was said that she was the only one that could see a seated Federici. While this all might seem pretty creepy, word has it that Federici's ghost is not a threatening spirit. He's referred to as a friendly poltergeist, as nothing bad has ever happened. The theatre even has a tradition of saving him a seat for every opening night performance. So it appears the legend of Federici has some legs glow, a lot of reports from some credible people seeing his ghost. I love this. I'm right up for all the weird things that performers and artists do in theatre, all the, you know, things that you're always going to do. Like I love the idea that they save him a seat um, and there's probably, I don't know, if there's something tied to that, like something bad might happen if they don't or that the performance might not go well. Like I just I hear things like that all the time and I just love it. Um, I'm right up for a ghost in a theatre too, obviously. I've been to the Princess Theatre and can't say that I've ever had a scary experience haven't walked down many dark hallways there. I've been just there as a patron, but um, oh, yeah, I love this one. And I actually had gone my whole life not ever hearing about the Westall UFO thing, um, obviously a little bit before my time maybe. Um, but, you know, I grew up listening to Blink-182 and that means that I believe in aliens, I guess, because Tom DeLong <laughs> <laughs> told me so. So I'm really surprised it never came across my radar. Um But, yeah, I think uh, I'm not going to speculate on if I believe or don't believe any of these, but I think that was pretty fun. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'm always hesitant to go too much into the UFO stuff or to look into it too much because I just know with my mind it would just consume me. (laughs) So I always have a bit of a reluctance to to dig too deep and kind of look into it. You know, yeah, they're both both very interesting and I think – an interesting way to finish off our little urban legend series. It's been fun doing these. Yeah. So, yeah, um, something that's uh, decidedly less fun for you, Chloe, is our airing of grievances. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we just wrapped the main feed and I had to go first when we talked about something positive, so you can go first on this while I think of something. 
The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. You know, I really haven't got much to complain about at the moment. It's a little, oh. a little bit. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of. Yeah, you always have a couple of little things kind of go go wrong here and there, but yeah. nothing nothing massive. Um, aside from the obvious stuff that we've kind of, you know, of the whole uh, ongoing global health pandemic at the moment yeah. and stuff. But uh, uh, no, I look probably I've just noticed um, recently that whatever it is, whether it's a, a bag of chips, like chips, are my absolute Achilles heel. <laughs> um, but but anything, you know, I just uh, appear to be just. Nothing is ever big enough or or lasts long enough. Like honestly, I open a bag of chips and it's just gone, <laughs> like seconds later. And I, so I don't know what it is, whether it's just me and at this point in time, or or if things are getting smaller. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you know, there's always talk about that. They've downsized the Cadbury blocks. You know, they're a certain percentage smaller now, and but you're paying the same price. Like it's all that and. I'd like to think I pay attention to the numbers on some of those things, you know, but I guess in reality I, I don't. And I, just, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting greedier or older or hungry. Yeah, I I'm getting hungry. I was going to say, you're just getting better at eating and <laughs> you're just noticing that's all. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like you, don't have a lot, I think, um, apart from the obvious, um, but, you know, we're still here talking and I think that's, Pretty good. Um, the only thing I can think that's annoying me at the moment, but it's definitely no one's fault, is that I got an undercut during a couple months ago and at the moment I can't go to a hairdresser and it's really bugging me because it's growing out and I really want to shave it and I have threatened my hairdresser that I'm going to shave it myself and she's dead against it. So I just have to wait it out and um, I don't have that kind of willpower. So that, that's really, that's mine at the moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a de- that's a reasonable one considering the current circumstances, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, that ends our Urban Legend series of episodes. We've both had a lot of fun doing these. I think we've put some of the myths to rest and, and maybe realised there's some truth to a few of these. Uh, hopefully everyone's enjoyed these episodes. To play us out this week, something a bit different and pretty cool. My brother is a very gifted guitarist and quite creatively did a guitar-driven version of our intro music. So we're going to play that on the way out. Thanks, Danny, for doing that. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.